You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I'm CJ Wolf with Healthicity, and uh, today I have with us Healthicity's content strategist, Misty Evans. Welcome, Misty. Hello. Thank you. Um, today, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about suicide prevention. We know that the, the holiday season is a, a happy time for, for so many of us. There are still a lot of people who have a difficult time. Um, and it's not just uh, around Christmas time and uh, the holidays, and, and, but all year long. They have trouble all year long. But we thought about it at this time just because it, it's kind of the antithesis. antithesis. <laughs> Sorry. It, it's the opposite of of what a lot of us are trying to celebrate this time of year. And so uh, we thought this would be a good uh, discussion. And um, we're going to have, we're going to flip things around a little bit. We're going to have Misty ask me some questions. You know that, uh, you know, I'm not a licensed psychiatrist, though I did spend many years uh, in through medical school, graduating medical school and starting my, my training. And the training I started was in psychiatry. So uh, mental health has always been um, something that I've been interested in and uh, have followed along throughout the years. So uh, I, I have done a little bit more research in preparation for today. And uh, we're going to have Misty ask me some questions today. So Misty, what, what kind of questions should we talk about with suicide prevention? Such an important Fantastic. topic. Yeah, it is a really important topic. Um, the holidays can be really rough for a lot of folks uh, for all kinds of reasons. So just how big of an issue is suicide? Um, can you share some statistics that tell us how common it is, which age or other group types are at greatest risk? As I was preparing for this a little bit, one thing that really surprised me is the suicide rate uh, since 1999. So in the last 20 years, you know, Misty, do you think the suicide rate has gone up, down, or stayed kind of level? Um, I don't know with the pandemic. I would, I feel like it would probably go up. Yeah. It, so from 1999, so we're talking, you know, the last 22 years, the overall suicide rate has increased by 35%. Oh, wow. That's a lot, right? I mean, we, yeah, we think huge. of we think of things increasing by 35%. And a lot of us, like if you were investing, uh, you'd love for your investments to increase by 35% over 20 years. This is one we don't want to increase over, over 20 years. But, but since 1999, the suicide rate has increased 35%. So it's a problem, right? And it's a problem. It's been a problem for, for eons, right? It's always been a problem, but it's getting worse. And and the statistics I'm sharing with you are are United States focused. So you know I I am not I didn't look worldwide. Uh, I think most of our listeners are U.S. based, um, but 35 percent. And uh, you know the other part of your question was you know who does it affect the most? So just think of the entire United States population. It is the tenth leading cause of death overall for all ages. Tenth wow. leading cause, and for ages ten through 34, so our, our young people, it is the second leading cause of death. 
for people age 10 through 34. So the the leading cause is is unintentional injuries. So, you know, accidents, probably car accidents are in there, those sorts of things. Uh, But so unintentional is the leading cause for ages 10 through 34. And then intentional, which is suicide, is is the second leading cause of death. and for a year's time, uh, overall, the, the number of people who committed suicide was around 48,000 people. So wow. it's a lot of people. Um, the other thing, you know, when we're talking statistics is uh, more women attempt suicide than men, but men are almost four times more likely to die by suicide. So, so women may, may be attempting it more, but men are more successful at it. Um, and so um, of all the people who die by suicide, 78% are male. So both are serious, right? You know, if, if somebody's attempting suicide, that's, that's a serious situation. We need to take care of it. Um, right. But most men, when men try suicide, they're usually successful. And so 78%, I mean, that's almost 80% of all the people who actually die by suicide are male. So males are four times more likely to die. Um, so the, the other thing that I thought was really interesting is that um, nearly half of all individuals who die by suicide have a diagnosed mental health condition. So that means you know half of the people who die by suicide have been diagnosed by somebody with a mental health condition. So mm-hmm. we kind of know who might be at, at, at greatest risk um, because half of them have already been diagnosed with a mental health condition. And then research has shown that about 90% of people who die by suicide have experienced some sort of mental health symptom. So they might not have been, they might not have been diagnosed yet, but um, they've experienced some symptoms. So those, I think, are some important statistics to kind of give us some background on, on this concept of how do we prevent suicide. It's important to know who's doing it, um, who's more successful at it, uh, what age groups, uh, and those sorts of things. I, I found that really interesting. Yeah, that, that is really interesting and really sad. Um, I know that on a previous podcast, uh, when you inter- when you interviewed um, another psychiatrist, he was talking a little bit about um, increased mental health issues because of like the breakdown of community. Yeah. Um, and would you say that that's probably contributing to the suicide rate? Did you read anything on that? Um, just yeah. less family time, less less you know support in the community. People are less parts of their community than they used to be. I think that could be a part of it. You know, suicide, it's a complex situation, right? And it's, right. And it's different for probably a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of commonalities. Uh, causality, you know, what causes it? Um, it's a very complex thing because, you know, you, you have uh, mental pressures, you have stressors, and um, combined with maybe some predictable predispositions of uh, using drugs or using alcohol, um, you know, plus uh, some genetic uh, variants and genetic contributions to this. So, but I, but I think what you stated is, is a real important part. And, you know, I was looking up, um, you know, does the, does the suicide rate increase during the holidays? And it's actually a myth. It doesn't. I, I was thinking 
hey, it probably goes up because people are sad, you know, if they're sad and they're not with family. But actually, the the rate goes down slightly during November and December. And to your point about family and friends, uh, a lot of people uh, postulate that that the reason it goes down in November and December is because there is so much family contact. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're feeling uh, depressed and you're having suicidal thoughts in, in September uh, and October, uh, but you don't, you know, act on those come November and December, most people are going to be around family and friends and, and things seem to be a little bit more cheery. And it seems like the rate actually goes down a little bit in November and December. So that's kind of a myth that that the the Christmas time or the holiday season is is one where um, rates go up. But to your question about kind of this breakdown of community and and closeness to family and friends, um, I think what I just shared about the rates going down in November, December probably explains what you just asked, which is, you know, is that why the rates going up? And I, I think that has something to do with it. Um, so, so one thing that I, you know, when it comes to kind of some risk factors. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, what are some signs that we should all watch out for as it relates to suicide risks um, yeah. among ourselves and those we know too? Yeah, absolutely. So there is, um, there's some high risk populations. Uh-huh. So I've already mentioned males, right? Um, males um, that are that are exhibiting uh, signs and symptoms of, of, of suicide are, are more successful. And so they're a higher risk population. Mm-hmm. So some things though, people that say, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm here, you know, it, nothing matters anymore. So little comments like that should start to clue us off to, Oh, you know, maybe they're not automatically suicidal. Right. But it, it is something that, should trigger in your mind, oh, I should probably dig a little deeper. You know, think of the things that we really react to. If somebody clutches their chest and they say, oh, I have chest pain. Mm -hmm. We all have been trained to think, oh, oh, that guy's having what? A heart attack attack. potentially, right? Mm -hmm. Or somebody, you know, is like starting to slur their speech and they're feeling paralyzed on one side of their body. A lot of us are like, oh, we better get you to the emergency room because you might be having a stroke. So, and that's good. You know, these are heart attacks and strokes kill a lot of people and we should be aware of those symptoms and, you know, we should react accordingly, meaning we are quick to react, right? We want to, uh, you know, call 911 or, or get them to emergency help. The same sort of thing should happen when we're, we're hearing certain clues for somebody who might be suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those things are things where they're maybe getting their affairs in order. Um, mm-hmm. They've been depressed. They, um, and, and what one that was really interesting is, you know, all of a sudden they have kind of a, a clear mind uh, after a period of severe uh depression and and thoughts Mm -hmm. of suicide and all of a sudden they're kind of chipper and and cheery, they might have decided that they're going to end it. Um, So, you know, if people say things like, you know, I just, I'm just not, there's no reason to live or um, there's nothing for me here or nothing really matters. Um, So it's not always, Oh, I want to go kill myself. It's these other clues and, and statements that lead us to think, Oh, this person um, is having some, some thoughts. And, And you know what the best thing to do is to ask them straight up. Are you thinking about committing suicide or are you thinking about hurting yourself? Are you thinking about killing yourself? And you can do it in a non-judgmental way, but you just, you, you approach the subject very clearly. Matter of factly. Yeah. It's not like, 
by you asking, they're going to think, oh, I never thought of that before. Maybe I should go <laughs> kill myself. You know, some no. of us are a little afraid to ask because we think, oh, are we putting something in their mind? Um, no, we're not. <laughs> you were going to say something. I also, yeah, it's like, I understand that. And there's also such a stigma. I mean, it's getting better, but I feel like there's also such a stigma around mental health in, 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 you know, in the world, but, you know, you know, also in the United States. And so I think people, you know, don't talk about it openly and they get really skittish, you know, even talking about things like anxiety or depression and, you know, depression definitely leads to suicide risk. Right. And most folks, even though depression is really common um, among, you know, you know, large groups of folks, like even, you know, women who have just had a child, like depression, postpartum depression is extremely common, Um, but it's still not talked about and people don't want to admit to it and family doesn't really know how to approach it. So I think what you're saying, just openly straight up approach people and talk with them, you know, is also a great way to break stigma and just, you know, so how, how do people do that? Like what a, what are yeah. So, you know, I think the, the previous podcast we were talking about with the psychiatrist that I interviewed, I think that's a good one to listen to because he mm-hmm. talks a little bit about just kind of community and, and um, togetherness and those sorts of things. You know, those things mm-hmm. are kind of more foundational, right? They, mm-hmm. they help prevent um, suicide because they're, you're going in the opposite direction. You're building mental health. You're building mm-hmm. mental strength. You're built, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, yeah when we're talking about, and, and I'd like to use this analogy of a heart attack, right? So if somebody's had this chest pain, they make it to the emergency room and they get this emergency treatment, do you just then say, okay, we're done? No, you're like, you're at risk for another heart attack. Right. And what do you do? You tell them to adjust their diet, you have them exercise, you have them take certain medications, the people around them, you tell them, look, if this person has this symptom, you do this. And I think that's very similar for, for mental health. Let's say somebody's not suicidal, but they're depressed. Um, you know, you, you get them treatment. Um, there's psychotherapy, there's certain medications, there's exercise, there's all sorts of things that can help when you've had a symptom, just like when you've had chest pain, you don't just leave it there after the emergency treatment, you, you do something about it to change moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and some of the things though, that like, if you're actually in a crisis, um, you should just talk openly and honestly, and you should not be afraid to ask a question like, do you have a plan for how you would kill yourself? That would tell you a lot. The other thing you can do if you're, if you're really concerned, um, a lot of suicides, uh, the number one cause for successful suicide is a firearm. And so if there's a firearm in the home, it, it should be either removing that firearm or making sure that it's locked and the person has no access to it. Because if they have mm-hmm. access to it, um, they, they could... Um, you know, in a moment of weakness or, or concern, uh, have access to that. And, and then, you know, the, if they kill themselves with a firearm or, or try to, it's, it's most likely it's, gonna, it's going to work and, and that's irreversible. The other mm-hmm. thing is that sometimes people stockpile pills. Um, you know, another thing you can ask, you can ask simple direct questions like, can I help you call a psychiatrist? Or there's um, hotlines that you can call. And maybe, Misty, we can put in the show notes some of those hotlines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. there's, so you can call um, uh, 1-800-950-NAMI. So NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Health. 
Um, and then there's also a text. Um, you can text NAMI, N-A-M-I, to the number 741741 if you mm -hmm. prefer texting over uh, an actual phone call. Maybe we can put those in the notes. Um, but you can ask, you know, can I help you call as your psychiatrist? Can I take you to an emergency room? Um, if there's um, a lot of people around and, and you're talking about this, you know, maybe it's a family situation, just have one person speak at a time. You don't want to overwhelm this, this person. You want to express, you know, support and concern, but you don't want to argue. Uh, you don't want to threaten or raise your voice. You don't want to debate that, oh, you know, suicide is morally wrong or it's, you know, from a religious standpoint, this is wrong or it's a sin. Yeah, shaming. You shaming yeah, you does not help any situation. Yeah, you don't really want to debate that. If you're, if you're nervous yourself, try not to fidget or pace and try to be patient. Uh, but like any other emergency, you, if it's really severe, you don't really want to leave them alone and you want to get them help where they're going to be in a safe situation. Because let's say you ask somebody, do you have a plan for how you would kill yourself? And they say, yeah. You know, I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z. And that plan is realistic. Um, you probably don't want, and you know, you find out that they want to do that plan. There's nothing wrong with calling 911 um, and, and explaining what's going on um, or taking them to an emergency room if, if that's needed. Or, you know, like I said, maybe you call the hotline with them and then leave them in a room where they can, you know, are there, when they're safe <laughs> and, and they can talk privately with that person. But you know, we all learned about how to do CPR or how to do Heimlich maneuver if someone's choking. Well, if somebody's having a mental crisis, it's also mm -hmm. severe. And we need to do, we need to have some sort of steps to react. Yeah, absolutely. And what about folks who might be listening to this podcast who are in a rough place right now and might be considering, you know, self-harm? Um, yes. what, what would you say to them? What can they do? Yeah. For, for yourself, what I would do is reach out to somebody who, you know, cares for you. They, people care for you. If, if you're listening to this and you feel all alone, there are people who care about you. And if you're having a hard time finding somebody like that, call these hotlines uh, or text this hotline. There are people there who care for you, even though they don't know you. I care for you. You have value. And though you may be struggling, though you may be feeling um, like there's nothing worth living for, um, there are those who are concerned about you and concerned about your health and want you to be happy. And, you know, I would say reach out. The important thing is to, is to reach out to somebody. And, and hopefully you have a family member or a friend who, who you can talk to. And if not, call these anonymous uh, hotlines and, and text lines. Um, and there are people there who will care for you. I think that's really important. Oh, that's, that's so true. That's such great advice. Um, a couple other things that I, I thought I could talk about are, are some risk factors. Mm -hmm. So um, if there's a family history of suicide or suicide attempts, that's a risk factor. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you may be working with somebody or have a friend or family member and, and you know that someone else in their family um, tried to commit suicide or did commit suicide. That's a serious risk factor. Another serious risk factor is substance use. So drugs um, can kind of create mental highs and lows that can worsen or, you know, exacerbate suicidal thoughts. Um, so when there's substance use and these feelings, um, that can make things worse. So that's a serious risk factor. The other thing that's really a major risk factor is alcohol. 
Um, so of all the people who die from suicide, one in three people were under the influence of alcohol at the time of death. One in three. Wow. Wow. So, so alcohol, um, you know, a lot of people turn to alcohol to kind of deaden those feelings and to try to escape that a little bit. But one in three uh, who actually die from suicide or under the influence of alcohol at the time of death. I already mentioned access to firearms. So that's a risk factor, um, a serious or chronic medical illness. So think about, so we're not talking mental illness at this point, but a serious or chronic medical illness. Um, maybe somebody has, you know, chronic diabetes or they have uh, chronic liver failure, or they have some other sort of chronic uh, disease, that's also a risk factor. I already talked about gender as a risk factor that men, women attempt it more, but men are more successful. So that's a risk factor. Uh, a history of trauma or abuse is also a risk mm -hmm. factor. Uh, prolonged stress, and then a recent tragedy or loss could also be a risk factor. Um, the other things that I wanted to mention, Misty, are some kind of behaviors that might clue you off to maybe a psychiatric emergency. So if somebody is collecting and saving pills or buying a weapon during this time period when they're depressed or, you know, have expressed some of these feelings, that could be a sign that they're actually going to go through with this. Giving away possessions can be a sign that, that they're actually going to try to commit suicide. Tying mm -hmm. up loose ends, like maybe organizi organizing your personal papers or paying off debts, that might be a sign that they're ready to take the next step. And then mm -hmm. saying goodbye to friends and family, that might be a sign. So these are signs that I would say are similar to when we were talking about a heart attack, somebody clutching their chest and saying, oh, I have chest pain. Um, and we react with urgency in that scenario. These types of things are potentially behaviors that you're observing that would should trigger you to be like, ooh, this might be a psychiatric emergency and I need to get immediate help for this person. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and what about, I'm just curious here, because, you know, you see it in the headlines a lot. Um, are there any different signs or symptoms for children? Because I know you said that, you know, age 10 through what, 35 yeah. were the highest risk. And, you know, we, we've been seeing you know, an increase in suicide of kids after, you know, like online bullying and stuff. Yeah. So is there anything in children that's separate that you would see like withdrawal or anything? Yeah, exactly. So withdrawal from things that they find pleasure in, right? So like if they used to, you know, play soccer and now they have no desire and they loved it, right? Like you knew it was their mm -hmm. passion or something they loved. And now they're like, Oh, I don't want to do it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So withdrawal um, is absolutely uh, can be a sign. The other, I'm glad you brought that up because in youth, um, now, not all youth that commit suicide are in these categories, but these categories need to raise your awareness. Um, lesbian, gay, and bisexual youth are four times more likely to attempt suicide than straight youth, four times more. And transgender people are 12 times more likely to attempt suicide than the general population. Mm -hmm. So people in, in those kind of, you know, My and I, you know, I think... Too. Yeah, they're kind of in these groups where they might be considered kind of, you know, on the fringe or outcast or whatever. You know, I know society is changing attitudes towards this a little bit more and trying to be more accepting, but this is still a major struggle for for lesbian, gay, bisexual youth and transgender 
that's a hard thing to deal with. And um, they are at a major increase. And that usually happens more in those youthful years, right? That's when they're discovering these feelings and they're discovering their orientation. They're discovering, you know, who they are and what they are. Um, and if those discoveries are going against maybe, you know, what they have been taught or, um, you know, what the belief system might be in a family, um, they are at an increased risk of, of suicide for sure. Oh, geez. So um, what can they do to find, kind of find support? Like, I know that there's some, there's a lot of community centers and there's a lot of groups. Yeah. Um, support groups. Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I, I'm here in the state of Utah and I know of um, people in this category that that have had suicidal thoughts. There's, you know, like the Pride Center. There are mm-hmm. support groups for youth, for um, LGBT uh, youth. And there are so many people who love you and who are here and who are supportive. And, you know, I think sometimes... Um, you know, the youth, they're they're so innocent and want to please parents and authority figures. And um, you just need to know that you are who you are and it's okay who you are. um, And your, your worth, uh, your worth is, is immense. And um, there are a lot of support groups out there uh, youth groups as well as adults that can support you through this. Um, and you're not alone. I guess that's the most important thing. I think for that particular age group and for that particular um, kind of group, the LGBT group, uh, they probably feel isolated and alone, uh, but you're not. There's you're not. A and lot it gets of better. It does get yeah. better. And it, get, it gets better, you know, yep. when, you, when you get older. Thank, yep. thank goodness. Teen years are, are so hard. Yeah, they're hard, right? Even if it's not an LGBT issue, right? The teen years are hard. Um, and you add on something like that where society is not fully accepting sometimes and some communities are not fully accepting, uh, that, can be a, that can be a real issue. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Well, this is all really great advice and great information, CJ. Yeah. The last thing I would kind of leave with you, um, Misty, maybe we can put this in the show notes as well. NAMI, mm-hmm. so this National Alliance for Mental Illness, um, they put out a, a uh, little brochure called Navigating a Mental Health Crisis. And it's titled, uh, that's what it's titled. And it's a NAMI resource guide for those experiencing a mental health emergency. Uh, and maybe we can put that in the show notes as well, because a link to it. It's a PDF you can download because it, you know, we've, as a society, we've taught CPR, we've taught first aid, we've taught Heimlich maneuver. I've kind of kept re- referring to these other things that that we do when somebody's having these emergencies in other you know medical situations. Well, um, suicide is it, it can be an emergency, suicide risk, and so this brochure might be something helpful for people to kind of learn and read through. And, and I think as 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 a community, as a nation, we need to raise awareness that this is real. Uh, again, it's the second leading cause of death, people 10 to 34 years old. And so it's, it's serious. And um, we need to treat it in a serious manner, just like we treat you know, chest pain and, and all these other things that are also serious. I'm not trying to put one above the other, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but we, need, we need to make sure that, that we treat this in a serious way. And I think this guide navigating the mental health crisis can be really helpful to a lot of people. Oh, that's fantastic. And 
and for families um, too, it, you know, there's nothing wrong with you know your family member who's struggling. No, um, they're not right. broken, and you as a family are not broken if you're dealing right. with this. Yeah, that's you know, Missy, that's such a great point. I'm glad you bring that up because um, yeah, there is kind of this stigma, but really. Um, it's life, <laughs> you know, yeah. a lot of us, and especially in kind of this digital world, we put on our, our best face, you know, out on social media platforms. Um, we put out, you know, the fun trips and the, the new haircuts and the new clothes and the new car and the this and that. And, and you, you try to put out there this perfect life, but that's not mm-hmm. real. <laughs> no one, no one has yeah. a perfect life. And this stuff is normal and it happens to everybody. And, um, you know, mental health, it's, it's really no different than, you know, good diet and nutrition and exercise. I mean, there's, there are techniques to be more health, uh, to be more mentally healthy um, and less mentally healthy, right? So there's actions and activities that make us less healthy from a mental standpoint. So it, it really, we just need to kind of get rid of that whole stigma and be like, look, this is a part of life. Our mind is in our body. Um, <laughs> it's a part yeah. of our body. These feelings are a part of us. Um, it affects us physiologically. Um, and it, if it gets bad, it can affect us to a point where it risks our lives. So, um, yeah, you're spot on. Um, there can be that stigma within families, but it, it, it's not a, it's not a big deal to have mental health issues, getting therapy. It's, it's healthy. I mean, I've gone through it. I think mm-hmm. a lot of families do. Yeah. And I it, mean, I'm a millennial. So like, I don't it, really have friends who aren't in therapy. Yeah, it, <laughs> everybody I know goes to therapy. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I don't think it's a weakness. I think it's I think it's a strength to recognize. Look, just like I go to the gym to work on my muscles, I want to go to somebody that can help me work on my mental muscles, right? And my mental health. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and and life is better because of it. And so, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, that's a whole other issue. But I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, thank you, CJ. This is like such helpful information and it's so good. And I love, you know, how supportive you are. It's really important for people to hear this time of year and all year. Exactly. Exactly. So thanks Misty for letting us flip the table here and and have you ask me some questions and everybody, thank you all for listening to another episode of compliance conversations Uh, until next time. Be healthy. Compliance conversations is sponsored by healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.